West Limerick 102. The following is the podcast of County Views. It's broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM on the 8th of June 2022 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Councillor Jerome Scanlon, as this is the podcast of County Views. The phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be unnecessarily charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, TOD.ie. Good evening, listeners. It is Wednesday <coughs> evening once again, and it is Wednesday at 9 30 or thereabouts. And you're tuned to West Limerick 102 FM, broadcasting from Newcastle West, your local community radio station. My name is Pat O'Donovan, and I'm joined tonight, as usual, by Tom Ryan, former manager of the Limerick Holding Time, Holding Team, and of course, uh, uh, publishes a wonderful article every Saturday on the Daily Mail. Very, very interesting articles indeed, very popular. And indeed, during the course of the match last Sunday on television, and the repeat, I heard it saying that he was acknowledged even as being the uncle of Rory Hayes. Did you hear that, Tom? I did, yeah. <laughs> and also joining us tonight is the ever-reliable councillor, Jerome Scanlon independent councillor. He wasn't always independent. He was um, controlled by the Fine Gael party at one stage, or he was party of the Fine Gael. I don't know who was controlling who, him or them. But he was a member of the Fine Gael party, and he decided he was going independent, and he's done that now for a couple of years back. So we have Jerome Scanlon. And of course, last weekend was um, an interesting one from Holding. We had a bit of a discussion here last week as to what might happen. The general consensus was it would be close and indeed close it was and people were delighted to hear that we played Mick Mackey and his men there and also the clear song Dr Tommy Daly and we'll just start off this evening program I think very fittingly Limerick won and that was wonderful and also uh, we remember great matches to Quades here in Fiona Castleman a very famous hurling family indeed and of course, we always remember the late, great Tommy Quaid, a lovely, lovely gentleman indeed. And he always wore his pioneer pin Tom on his coat, and he was proud of it always. Sadly, he was killed in an accident at a very young age, and now his son is the current Limerick goalkeeper now for some years. So we'll have a fabulous singer and a lovely ballad, and it is Philippine Wright from LB Field singing Lament for Tommy Quaid. Due to podcast regulations, we are unable to play that song on this podcast. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. That was the late <coughs> ballad on the late, great, wonderful gentleman and goalkeeper, Tommy Quaid. 
and that was my Philip Inright, a wonderful, wonderful singer. And he has singing nights in his pub in Abbey Field on a monthly basis there. And a gentleman too, indeed, is Philip Inright. Um, match last Sunday, Jerome. Absolutely fantastic. Congratulations to Limerick in case somebody accuses of not congratulating them indeed. Full marks and congratulations to Seamus Flanagan from Fiona Castleman, who has put the parish right on the map, right in the middle of it. Brilliant. Dead man of the match. And Nicky Quaid, the late Jim's grandson, in goals. So Fiona Castleman... A boo here. Keep here the we flag come. flying anyhow. Absolutely. It is good to see people from the West, uh, Tom, on the team. Yeah, well, the West always supplied a, a, a few. A few for the team. They always have a great history there in the West, always in a great tradition. And in particular, the Flanagans and the Quails, you know. I mean, the Quails are legendary. Like, I mean, what the GA was to the Quails, like the Quails family, the whole. Synonymous you know, with... I mean, the work that they have done and the, the leadership. And, and, and of course, uh, Paul Shemmers paid he, he paid the, the ultimate price in the outstanding individual a great hurler and all Ireland I mean winner and uh, you know there's great tradition in the West and it is alive and kicking and alive and well and it's great to see that those lads as you said Shevard Flanagan Nicky Quaid and you know uh, Tom Condon before that you, you know it well that's and, right and they had a they, they're leaving they're great men like in tradition you know we could be mentioning people all night and Eamon Flanagan's son yes playing for Clare Clare is that's, uh, that's so another, we provided yeah. somebody to the Clare team yeah, by yeah. the way in well, case you're not aware of that Mr Donovan Cousins playing on both sides yes I am Jerome yeah that's a great game yeah. no, I was reminding the Clare man Tom yeah yes <laughs> But out of doubt. It was a bit like old times, wasn't it, Tom? Well, sure, it is what we were advocating in, the, in our yeah. column for the last five or six years. Yeah. It blew all the theories out of the water, all these. Let them hold uh, All these emiphonies that are on the television and that are on the sideline in our places. And let me prove, I think it was Limerick's best performance ever, even putting, putting aside the All Allens. It was a magnificent match. Great, great. I you suppose know, it was also fitting that uh, as Limerick, as All Ireland champions and Monster champions and the McMackey Cup and Ove Cup being presented on the day, that I suppose it was fitting that they should be the first winners of it as well. well Seeing that yes, they were winning yeah. four in a row as yeah. McMackey's team did back in the 1930s. Well, it, it's a lot of, there, there are a lot of coin, uh, you know, things that you can compare, comparisons really you know, in the team, but mainly like uh, it was I mean, I think it was Limerick's best performance that I've seen him now, you know, and the best performance of Limerick team I'd say ever, be honest about it. You know, even take all out of the months of finals and all over the, the equation. And I would definitely say that the Limerick management team were, you know, had a great job. On top of their... On top brief. of their game. And I think they had moved on again, you know, to, to be able to play. I mean, they have definitely, like, I mean... Uh, like changed the, the face of hurling, but also they were able to go back to the the hurling as we wanted to play it as well and to win. But I think what was unfair was I think the extra time was unfair in the final. I don't care what time limit or what constraints you have. I mean, both those teams deserved another run for it anyway. The clear performance was magnificent, and you know, <coughs> uh, and 
to limit him like what's we, we, you could be talking about superfluous all day but to have to go again another 20 minutes like in the conditions they were in at the pace they were at you know and clear responded magnificently as well but I would definitely say that it should have been a replay you know I didn't hear him talking about that but I felt it should be for the final it seemed to be going a bit bonkers they did the same at the minors minor final there in Tipperary yes they played (laughs) 17 years of age (laughs) and then they played 20 minutes and then when all that was done they made them take penalties Yes, that's a bit. A bit well, I mean, bankers would be the right word actually for them. You know, mm. Park. That's the proper description of them, bankers. Mm. They're totally out of touch with reality. And, you know, again, should we spoken about it here? John, everything coming out of Dublin is out of touch with rural Ireland yeah. and reality. But you see, mm. you see that, Jerome, we, we have representatives there. We have a media there. We have a media that won't, that won't challenge what's happening. You know, we say I and the only thing that um, that I mean, if you watch the Sunday game, like I mean, they're sitting there like Taylor dummies, all dressed <laughs> up, and you know, I mean, uh, same old cliches, same story. No, they're wondering what happened to Sunday. They didn't even know what happened to Sunday because they're, well, they're talking about arrows going this way and arrows going that way, and open spaces and middle towards and all these cliches that they have. It definitely don't win the Sunday blunt told us when it was them. Tremendous man interests to make tremendous but, but, stuff, but as holy should be. Yeah, in most walks of life, and, and, and in the in the uh, summing up that you're talking about, it's the, all this emphasis on balance. You can't have two of the same. You can't. You have, you have to have ladies. You have to have people from various walks of life, and whatever you do now, and that can be a problem. Yeah, yeah. I think, in my opinion, anyway, that we have the same people every Sunday. You have the same people in the match. We have fine hurlers, different counties: Waterford, Wexford, Clare, Limerick. People who are no longer playing, and yet you're landing with the same little fistful of fellas every Sunday or every Sunday night. You would also imagine that if Clare and Limerick were playing on the which they did last Sunday, then the reviewing panel Sunday night or Sunday during the game should be from alternative counties. Yes, well, not Eddie, ones with yeah. biased opinions. Eddie, Eddie Brennan has raised that issue now, big time, and he's got a lot of traction. You know, and I agree with you 100%. Common sense, like, but, you know, but you see, Pat, Lan, Ranton and Raven and yes, Roaring, yeah, Roaring yeah, there with yeah. Watt, but they've gone been yeah, in the island, and yeah. if they're getting beaten, he can't yeah. get the words out, he's roaring yeah. so much. Like. Mm. But you see, Pat, you have cliques within RT, you know, and, and, to make, and, and to really make it worse, you had last week a big sad story with this guy, of all the problems that he has in the in in doing the program, and all this pile of nonsense, two or three pages of an interview on the Independent, and and another big interview, and, and he's in, he's one of the top presenters. All that is a closed shop, Pat. They have they, it's a, it's a, an absolute closed shop, and no, there were no alternative opinion, or there were no debate, or there, there weren't anyone challenged when he spread out the same old. Propaganda every night. To listen to your man Bluff and Cork, listen to listen to daily. They have the same thing every night. But now, like it's it's after last Sunday, they're all saying, "Oh, it was a magnificent game." But if they had that way, we wouldn't be holding it all. We'd be playing some kind of a, some kind of a, of, of a game made up. 
Cozy Now I must rub my hand, gentlemen. People accuse me of being negative. They accuse you of it as well, Tom, if you're too negative. But the bachelor's son was very good. But I have a comp- two complaints, maybe three complaints, maybe four complaints. Uh, two stand tickets. I got a few stand tickets and I passed them on because I needed just two stand tickets. Wearing myself. And the two stand tickets we got had of sitting out in the rain at the end line. End line. Where you couldn't see. So I said, I ain't going down there getting wet. So we stood up against, we were at the very end of the stand where the teams came out up against the side of it. Standing, standing, standing. A very enjoyable Kumogi match between Waterford and Tipperary. Very fine, talented hurdlers, give that show. And the scoreboard was at the opposite end, then, of course, of the stand and the wall at the far opposite end completely. And <coughs> I could, we could read the score and we could read the time on the Kumogi match. I haven't heard it seen it anywhere, I haven't heard it any place. But all of the people around us, including young ladies and young lads, we couldn't read the score and we couldn't read the time of the scoreboard. And that was the only scoreboard. You look straight across to the new stand, I think they call it, Tom. The other side. Stand, yeah. And there used to be one inside in the middle there. Yeah. It wasn't working. So Oslot inside in that corner couldn't see the scoreboard. Read the scoreboard, you could see the thing all right. So the television and yeah. scoreboard in combined couldn't read it. Yet the Komogi match was much larger, the score and the time. That's that's so big. So I you saw the, the score for the Komogi, but not for the hurling. Is that they had a smaller for some yeah. reason? It is a digital one, mm-hmm. and it was much smaller for, for the hurling. And I went into the toilet before the match started, and you couldn't even get your hand out of your pocket, not knowing anything else. So I decided then I'd go into the wheelchair one because there was only a couple of people. There was no wheelchairs around the place because they'd have been slaughtered or smothered if they were. But uh, the tiles were clean, water poured out over the top of it, and the water nearly went up to your ankles. You don't have to pay a welder's winter, yeah. You pay 40 euros. Now, the GA could well afford to have people controlling the ty- supervising those toilets. Admittedly, the place was chocolate block, but a, a, a disabled toilet, the floor was flooded and the toilet, the water was just pouring straight out of the top. Well, whatever hope those of us that are active have, somebody on a chair got yeah. help them going into this. Sad. And... Uh, down on top of that then Tom Mary and myself were standing up against the wall at the side of the stand because our seats were down below in the rain and this youngish lad about 35 or 40 he stood up I'd said three times anyway he came over to Mary to tell her to sit down and she would sit down she said you paid for your seat you sit in your seat and eventually at half time he left and another guy came over and he said I'm not coming back here sit down in my seat and the other guy <coughs> gave us he, he said sit down there I'm not going in there anymore I'm going to stand up against the, the wall so there were gentlemen even though I declare cap but he still gave us the two seats wearing limerick colours now so the banter was nice. good but the scoreboard just I can't fathom it I met a lot of people then that said on my way out limerick people because it was a limerick area really they enjoyed the programme gave regards to Tom Ryan so gentlemen and ladies if we met on the way out we wish you a most enjoyable matches coming up and hopefully limerick and Claire will is our only hope and wish that they might meet in Dull Island final. Yeah, there's great banter already, and there's great interest, and there's great interest in the programme as well, because, <coughs> and you know, there's, I mean, I, I um, Mark and myself, Mark Tierney and myself, were, were in, in Glor on Saturday night for the Kilfenora. Yeah. There was, it was a magnificent 
Okay, det var en wonderful performance. Jeg var så underholdt, at He welcomed us off the stage and said, uh, delighted nice. that we were there. And he said he had in good form tonight. He said, but she'd be in, won't be in good form tomorrow night because oh, yeah, we'll win. Yeah. So we had a great night there. And, yeah. you know, it's about that. It's about meeting people. And it's about, you know, you can be, I mean, when the game is over, it's over. You know, I mean, and shake hands. And that's like Cody and, and, um, and Shefflin, like two old children. You know, I mean, it's a great, there's a great rapport between the two counties there's no doubt about that and the one regret Pat I have and, and I spend I spend a lot of time in the sideline and, and inside the inside the line as well all my life since I was a very young boy and I had one terrible one regret and it was the two teams again 1997 in Ennis we, we Clare were all Ireland champions We were we beat Galway in October in, in one of the best league finals, I suppose, one of the best league. That was that like you won the league in Ennis. Yeah, we won the league in Ennis. And I had I, and you, you see that um and it was a magnificent match. The, the people got even the, the traffic was jammed from Limerick, not for outside Ennis, outside Limerick, mm -hmm. one out of the match. And it was a great Galway <coughs> team with a with a great win that day. And I I said on clear radio afterwards because I do listen to clear radio and that's traditional music you know like you have great traditional music like we have one here like uh, I mean my parents here is a great best program that all that now so we listen to him every Saturday night but I said that uh, what I'd like to see was that I'd like to see both Limerick and Clare we were league champions They were all Ireland champions. On both sides of the Shannon, I said, we play, I said, a, a game for the actual, the same as they have the charity shield in England for the league title holders and the cup holders <laughs> play. And, and for <coughs> charity, either clear care or Limerick friends of the, of the, the mentally handicapped mm. jerk just out. I didn't get one single Nobody was take up for that. Because why? the GA and, and their cronies didn't, wouldn't be putting their hands in the money and there was no dividing no nothing I said we, the winner takes all and it was the one thing that I regretted because it would have raised and it, it would raised half a million you know I mean for both charity for, for, for eight charity who oh, the match yeah. and they could get no take from any county any county board who were the controlling body costs and I regretted that and that was my last that was my last request in charge of living that day because I was gone then now looking at the papers there over the time uh, oh yeah we must send our regards to Jordan Door. Uh, well-known traffic warden here in Newcastle West retired and he sends his regards to every time he meets me in town. Tom. Oh, George, George the gentleman. George, George one of, uh, oh, he's a lovely man. And, and a former classmate of mine. Yeah. A classmate of yours. Yes. Yeah. Indeed, now. And uh, I'm sure Joe was hopping in the chair on Sunday. Uh, uh, or maybe he was at it indeed. Now, looking at the Irish Independent there from last Friday in the United States, a lawyer jailed for defrauding Stormy Daniels. Michael Avin Atiti, a brash liar who took on then President Donald Trump, was sentenced to four years in prison yesterday for defrauding his client, porn star Stormy Daniels.
She claims she was paid off by Mr. Trump to keep quiet about their affair. A federal jury convicted Evan Etty in February for, of wire fraud and aggravated identity theft, agreeing that he took that he embezzled nearly three hundred thousand dollars in book proceeds intended for Miss Daniels. That's what happened to her and him. And then I have another topic that has come up quite a lot in recent times. Russian invasion forces surrogacy agencies to abandon Ukraine, putting baby plans on hold. Now, some people nowadays, you can't say this and you can't say that because there's a, 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 a um, a grouping out there that have literally the people of Ireland uh, controlled and to me this surrogacy in my opinion many people won't agree with me or like what I say I think it's a form of wealthy people using poor women as a baby productive unit and they now have in difficulty in Russia or in Ukraine where the, the, the women who are carrying the babies can't guarantee that they'll be met and it can't guarantee that the child that is being born, etc. And then, on the other hand, there's loads and loads of children looking for somebody to adopt them here, there, and everywhere, Tom. Well, it's, it's a subject that I wouldn't know a whole lot about, but I, I don't agree with you that, um, you know, that it would be only wealthy people. I'd say that um, people that are that can't have their own children and that are desperate to have, you know, I mean, they, they've already gone to either IVF treatments and they've gone through an awful lot. I know it's a very costly and expensive situation, but each individual is different. Each family is different and they think different and they will go to any means. I know that um, there are, uh, there are babies there for adoption and it, that's, another, that's not an easy procedure either and we haven't a great record in this country we only look at the, our record in that area it's, been, it's one of the biggest scandals I suppose the nation of the way that, that has been carried out over, over the decades so I would have great sympathy for people that are childless and just want to get it and if they have to go down the surrogacy road well then so be it once it's legal and it's complicated and expensive but they know that and if they have the exp if they have the money I think in actual fact maybe even they, sh they should be supported not, not, not but we know. have no idea what uh, the uh, woman who carries the baby for nine months and then passes it off to somebody else how that Motherfield, yeah, you, you have to have some concern for the feelings of the lady that produces the baby. Produces the baby, yeah. Now, I would uh, agree with Tom. People have the right, basically, to father or mother a child. If they're desperate to have uh, a baby, and this is the means, by the only means available to them to have the child, so be it. It mightn't be my choice, but there'd be a lot of people that want children. Now, you have mentioned the adoption route. It's very hard to find a baby to adopt now, and people go, have gone abroad as well to adopt children. And we also have to take into account and think of the person that is awaiting the arrival of their baby, or the couple that are awaiting the arrival of their baby. And they're there, and there are several of them around the country. And the mother is somewhere, she's caught out in the middle of a war, mm -hmm. uh, in a war zone, out in 
a, a difficult, a very difficult part of Europe, and they're worried about their son or daughter, you know, that really, that really is a major concern for people that are expecting a baby and expecting it to be delivered in the Ukraine at this point in time, or indeed other parts of Europe. Lovely. You're tuned to West Limerick 102 FM Broadcasting from Newcastle West. This programme is going out live on this Wednesday night. Repeated tomorrow, Thursday from half past 11 to 1. If you want to call in or text in 0696600 or 0871669800. This programme is going out live until 11 o'clock on this Wednesday night. And if you want to text in, call in 0696600 Jason Smith is producing the programme. My name is Pat O'Donovan. And Tom Ryan and Jerome Scanlon are panels. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, TOD.ie. You are listening to the podcast of County Views as broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM on the 8th of June 2022 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Councillor Jerome Scanlon, as this is the podcast of County Views. The phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be unnecessarily charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. Uh, welcome back, folks. Uh, you're tuned to West Limerick 102 FM, broadcasting from Newcastle West, your local community radio station. My name is Pat O'Donovan. The programme is County Views, going out every Wednesday night live from half past nine until 11 o'clock. Repeated tomorrow, Thursday from <coughs> half 11 until one. And on the panel tonight is Councillor Jerome Scanlon and Tom Ryan. And, and we have a message in here. We have two of them actually. Hi, Pat and Tom. So good to hear you again. It's your good topical show. And I'm just over the moon with our Limerick win. It was mighty and great to hear Jerome back. And of course, a big kiss for Tom. Thank you, Polly. Polly the Pope. Never answer my call, Polly. Must be very busy. And Pat, can you ask the panel what they thought of the singing that was filmed in an orange hall mocking the late Michael and McAreevy from James Holmes in the day? Thank you, James, for that one. Nothing but disgraceful, disrespectful, disgraceful. And I would like to think that the Orange Order and the North would take some action, but they haven't, bottom line. But they have promised. We'll wait and see. Yeah, that we've had lots of promises in the past that weren't delivered upon. But we have a lot of promises in all things. We have cock-ups here, cock-ups there, oh, yeah. and looking into to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Well, I suppose it's the best example of it was Westminster this week when the Queen was sitting in her own, burying her husband, and your man, the Prime Minister, having a party down at the other end of the mall. Speaks says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, Tom. Well, I, I think that it was a shocking situation, but you know something, I think it's a good thing it happened, because it shows you the sectarianism, and it shows you the actual mentality of the 
put the under like I mean they like the the Freemasons. Right. It's, it's a kind of a secret society that's not secret like. They're owned and they're they're and the the DUP, the UUP and the all those individuals that are there in the north. They are they're worse now than the crowd over in South Africa. You know, and to be honest about it, we've been placating them here long enough. Trying to humor them and trying to be trying to be politically correct with them. They're fundamentalists. I prefer to deal with the Taliban than deal with them to have the throat. And even if you like, if you see they, they, they carry on them since the election, an election held and they refused to take their seats. They're all saying about the protocol. Tell about the protocol. Tell because Sinn Féin and Michelle O'Neill would be first minister. That's why they're not. But you see, against that, they're being kind of, we're, we're trying to humor them here and say, like, well, coax them back into the assembly. That, 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 like, they have no respect for the Good Friday Agreement. They have no respect for the nationalists. They have no respect for Ireland. Only their own, they have their own agenda. They had it since the formation of the Northern States. When they, when, when Ireland, when the people in, in Belfast and in the North were second, in the nationalists and the Catholics were second class citizens. You'll never change them. So let's not be trying to placate them. And, and to make it worse, Irene Foster wrote an article last week. Well, if that wasn't full of racism, I mean, there she was, and she and she both at, at an Ulster final. Someone, so I think it was one of our own ministers took her. Who's the minister for uh, for uh, the, the minister of for foreign uh, affairs? Uh, no, uh, the minister for up there in Cavan. What's the name? Oh, again? yeah, whose whose uh, father was a member of the, a member of the Arms Lodges, as far as I know. Yeah, well, she might, yeah. Well, uh, you see, Heather Heather Humphrey. Heather, Heather, Heather Humphrey. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Heather, and Heather. In fairness yeah. to her, she's an effective yeah. minister for rural affairs. Yeah. But but she had protection at an Ulster final. So these people, you see, these people, like, I mean, are, they're wolves, like, in sheep's clothing. And they'll never change. And we'll never change them. And let's take them on and treat them as such, not to be pussyfooting around with them. Tom, what's your view on the uh, Good Friday Agreement? Has it outlived its usefulness? The Good Friday Agreement, in my opinion, was, was not a proper arrangement. If you want politics, you you can't have uh, every view on board. You must have a, a, a ruling party and an opposition. Let them be, let you hear them, but they have to be, you can't have a, a kind of a mishmash that they end mm-hmm. up with because they weren't going to comply with any of them. I mean, they, all the, the, the agencies that were appointed, none of them ever met. Even you know, mm-hmm. the North South, the really? I mean, the minister. The, well, if they were, they were only there in with politicians, with civil servants mm. meeting, and then you had today you had over in uh, the House of Lords that uh, you had the, uh, the the leader of the UUP over, and he talking about the protocol, the protocol, and you see that was all rejected and are supported rather by uh, I think it was about 60% of the, all the nationalist parties and the alliance party and all yeah. the other parties except the DUP. The DUP had five main points in their election manifesto. The 
protocol was won. Mm-hmm. So they latched onto that. And with, uh, and with an idiot over in number 10 Downing Street, like, that the British have now, I mean, they don't know what to do with him. What is to dump him into Thames or take him to the Tower? You know, one to two. <laughs> you know. But you see, the pr- the problem with the Conservative Party is its right wing are those that are supporting old Boris, of, and of that's course, why yeah. we're stuck with this protocol problem. But in saying that, Jerome, they are the Conservative and Unionist Party, you see, Correct. as well. So, like, I mean, you have that core there that are the, the Brexiteers, the Hadland Brexiteers. Now, I mean, you like which. Like it hanging the balance, I mean, for Johnson on Tuesday night, like, or with Tuesday or, or Monday, you see, uh, Tuesday night, Tuesday. Like, you see, they support him, so so now they're going to, they're going to bring on some, I think they'll bluff him myself, but they're liable to do anything. That, that Johnson and the, the mess that that is going to cause in, in the island of Ireland is unbelievable. But furthermore, Jerome, and I'll just finish with this. Today, we had the Dairy Council of the North and all the big farmers, mostly Unionists, mm-hmm. mostly Orange men as well, mm-hmm. and we have a good share here supporting them as well, up and down to them. They all, they all, they came out today, and they didn't come out before the election. They came out today because what, their livelihoods now are going to be under pressure we, if they're if they bringing the legislation to undo part of the protocol. Yeah. Well, no, if you we'll to switch topics and we'll go to something uh, that people have been talking about and talking about. Sometimes these are the huge queues at Dublin Airport. Many over fourteen hundred people missed their flights, and many, many more are missing their luggage. Many are missing luggage for the past four weeks, and they haven't got their luggage in all kinds of situations. That's it. So the, I have uh, followed that one a little bit more. So the. <coughs> the chief executive guy, I, I, I kept an eye on him, and it's just a sample of the the appointments that our government and our our uh, civil service, I suppose, appointed. Now, who's appointed them? Is the civil service or is it the government themselves? But this is a piece from the Independent, was also on the Daily Mail and was on other papers. But it basically said the same thing. And this is about Dalton Phillips, the chief executive of the Dublin Airport Authority. Former retail chief saw blue skies ahead, but he will soon be departing under a significant cloud. When Dalton Phillips was named chief executive of the Dublin Airport Authority in 2017, the Wicklow man must have felt that at last he was back in the big league. In early 2015, following a poor Christmas sales that were the last straw, he had been let go as chief executive of UK supermarket chain Morrison's. Morrison's is very large, as it says there. A seasoned retailer, he had held the role since 2010, having joined from Canada's largest retailer, Loblaw, where he was chief operating officer. Now at the Dublin Airport Authority, he had a chance to prove his mettle once more, joining a business that in 2017 generated a revenue of $855 million and profit after tax of $125 million. It was on an upward trajectory with blue skies ahead. It was a world away from Morrison's for the affable Mr. Phillips 54. In 2014, at Morrison's annual general meeting, the writing was on the wall. A grandee of Britain's retail trade, no other than the former Morrison's chairman, Ken Morrison, 
whose father had founded the chain, let to rip from the floor. When I left work and started working as a hobby, I chose to raise cattle, the now deceased Mr. Morrison said. I have something like 1,000 bullocks, and having listened to your presentation, Dalton, you've got a lot, a lot more bullshit than me. <laughs> How's about that? Put it in a nutshell, didn't he? Put it in a nutshell. And I think yeah. I think Morrison's have been bought over by an American company, have they? But this man died, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, since since he left. So well, here, no, he, Morris, that Morrison man that he, said. He, yeah, man but the gentleman the, that's a DA and 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 bull, uh, uh-huh. and he he was doing a commentary on Dalton, the fellow who was sacked that time and got in the Dublin Airport Authority. He was never involved in, in air in air traffic. He was involved in supermarkets prior to that. Yeah, but you see, okay, we need only go back to the banks. And in the end, they were run by the legal, by barristers, both of the banks in this country. And somebody predicted <coughs> 25 years, well, 20 years previously, when I was working in another place in the city of London, uh, that uh, the banks would be sued one day. And the only way they could counter that problem was to have uh, the legal profession in charge. And that's exactly what happened. And we saw the outcome of it. But... It's a bit similar there with Mr. Dalton in, uh, I think, Asda Morrison's, isn't it? Yeah. And we, and that and that was a famous supermarket chain in the UK and it's gone as well. Very big. But very the problem, big, yeah. the problem with the airport is they didn't. I don't think anybody foresaw the fact that so many people, out of frustration or whatever, would decide to leave the country so quickly after the COVID lockdown. They just didn't have the people in place to cope but with the queues. Put them in place for this weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they got a wake-up call. So when they were... They got a wake-up call. Put but you see... And at the same weekend, he went off out the back door to a special security trip out it, to Saudi it, but, Arabia but, without but, any delay himself. It, yeah, absolutely. But if you're running any business, you look at what's projected to come through in the following week. Which they would and have known that. One anyway. would expect if they had been on to all the agencies and to the airlines and whoever, that there'd be so many thousand people travelling through Dublin the following Saturday. Everybody had to book in advance, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if 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 uh, one of the restaurants here in town is is working out what's going to happen next Saturday night, they they'll certainly be able to tell you how many people are going to come in, and it's no different at the airport. And if it's booked out, you can come in. Correct, Tom. Well, um, anyone who doesn't be surprised with uh, with what happened in Dublin Airport, like, wouldn't be in touch really with reality because Dalton Phillips, like, was very interested in his own career. He's leaving in September anyway makes no difference was his and he went back to his retail days and his uh, marathon days when he started opening uh, branches and centers in Dubai and other areas within the Saudi Arabia uh, and that was allowed and he was appointed by the government the same as all semi-state organizations and all local government are appointed by the government all all our, our CEOs and our councils and we see him we, we see him in every day in action we see Mr. Limerick Blown Wakeford we see the carry on of him and we're not too far behind him in Limerick we see um, they have they have you, you know, you go back over your own semi-states, you, you look at a sugar company, what happened to them, uh, shipping, and uh, we haven't the confidence in this country here for to run, for to run a fair, not a mind, like, I mean, a multinational semi-state operation, you know, and uh, we, we still held that. 
You're better on the basis of who you know, Correct. rather than your ability course, to do the job. I politically don't like what happened but in the Jerome, why do you political appointments. Why, why do you allow that's that? A very, that's a very good why, question. Why is like, that, power, politicians now, power, you know, it's okay. sticking out a mile for years, all this, like, and yet it goes on and uh, goes on and yeah, goes on. It's been going on for the last, since the foundation of the state. Well, that's our, that's our, that's our, in our DNA here, incompetence and Pels and play, and we saw it. We, we saw it at its worst, and we, in the high and era, era, we saw what they were capable of doing, and they're still doing. And, and they're still calling the shots. They did it with judges. They did it with semi-state appointments, and 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 the boards of the banks and the boards, the, all these semi-state boards. Look at the gurus and them. There was one solitary. Word passed about the board of the of the Dublin Airport Authority. Not a word to say they were never there to and there'd be about twelve or fourteen of them there, all big salaries. Look at our universities, look at where they are. Who who paints the board to them? I mean, look at the career here in UL and the financial scandals that's been investigated another, and, and hundreds of millions. Another like, sad case. I mean, another sad case. All those are government and are political appointments by, for pals and for incompetent people with names after, with letters after their name, over accountancy companies and, as you rightly said, Jerome, legal companies running the country. And if you go back to the setting up NAMA, which was the biggest industry that was in this country in the in this century. Look at the people they put on the board. Every one of them had past ministerial experience, but nobody had lending experience. None of them had ever lent money. We'll hold you there, I once said they didn't. We'll hold you there, and we'll continue when we come back after an ad break. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. You are listening to the podcast of County Views. It's broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM on the 8th of June 2022 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Councillor Jerome Scanlon, as this is the podcast of County Views. The phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be unnecessarily charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, TOD. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, looking at the Limerick leader. Sorry, you were saying before I interrupted you on the ads, just Jason. Now, what was the topic we were on? Now, follow the line. Uh, while you're taking we were talking about boards and and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were, and basically the people that were appointed to the board of NAMA. Yeah, yeah. I, you know. You have to ex- have experience, and we're going to have the same issue when we have uh, an elected uh, mayor of Limerick. You have to have somebody in that job that has business experience, that's able to manage people, and that knows where the bodies are buried, Tom. Because there are a lot of bodies buried around the place, in my opinion. But so, Jerome, only a few years ago, we had a minister for education, 
and finance and so forth, and none of them were ever anything qualified in the departments in which they were appointed the so-called ministers. That's, yeah, that has been the case. And where we had them qualified, were they a success? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, the leader this week, anyway, a, a local story here, which is important, I think, to <laughs> elderly people. That includes you and me, Tom. Tom. I'm listening to you and I. Yes. And just to, Thank be, you, before we let the point go, Alan Shatter was a, a member of the legal profession, and he was Minister for Justice, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, yeah. And we saw what happened there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, Limerick Leader Prison Centres are trying to cash stolen check at bank. So people, you want to mind your checks and mind everything and mind your cards and mind your money and mind yourself, folks. A county Limerick man who tried to cash a stolen check made out for thousands of euro has been jailed for three years. During the sentencing hearing, Judge Patrick Mahan was told Patrick O'Brien, age 39, of Hillview Drive, Abbey Field, presented a cheque made out for 7500 at an outclosed Bank of Ireland branch in Abbey Field. The stolen cheque was associated with the account of an elderly woman who was living in Mullingar County, Westmeath. Garda Davis now said Garda were contacted after an employee at Bank of Ireland in Abbey Field became suspicious when Mr. O'Brien arrived at the branch on April 24, 2019 and presented a cheque for a lodgement into his account. His own account, he said the defendant's account was overdrawn and that there was only one previous lodgement. It raised a red flag, he said, adding that the bank worker put a stop on the transaction and contacted her colleagues in Mullingar to make further inquiries. Gerda Stone said it was later established that the cheque was one of four which had been stolen and that it was clearly never made out to Mr. O'Brien. George Mahan was told another one of the stolen checks which was made payable to a different individual went through but that the bank had since reimbursed the account holder. Garda Stone said a guard investigation was launched and that the authorities believed the four checks were stolen a number of weeks earlier and a number of men who called to the injured party's home offering to clean the gutters. He said the woman who has since died was in poor health and had a practice at the time of signing her name to checks. She couldn't walk, she was poor of hearing. Garda Stone told Lily Buckley, BL prosecuting, adding that she was effectively being cared for by her brother. Barrister Kenny Kern said Mr. O'Brien, who has a number of previous convictions, did not gain financially from his actions, and he submitted there was no evidence that he was involved in the theft of the checks. Having noted the defendant's printing gee and his personal circumstances, Judge Mahan imposed a three-year prison sentence, which was backdated to reflect the time Mr. O'Brien has already spent in custody. It's very sad when people pre-sign checks or have to pre-sign checks. Uh, terrible what happened, you know? But the, obviously the concern and the worry of the old person that either mislaid or had it stolen from her. But you know the point. The point you was should made. Not sign checks. Never. Checks. Absolutely. No. Never sign a check in blank. You're leaving it yourself wide but open if you do that. But isn't it sad in this day and age that that kind of behaviour is still going on? But sure, you'll you'll have theft wherever you go, and if somebody sees an opportunity, Pat, they will jump at it, and that's obviously what happened there. And like that particular person was probably trying it on with elderly people around the country, like if they went from possibly from Abbey Field to Mullingar to uh, wrong somebody. Well, Pat, a scoreless act again, I guess, a defenceless lady, you know, I mean, and it's it's a shocking, a a shocking um, scenario like that. These 
gangs and these hoodlums and chances are allowed to run the country with impunity and terrorize people, rob them, and more often than not, physically harm them. And we see that poor man above in, above in Sligo. I mean, he's just, he's struggling still. That man is still in a coma. Still in a coma, yeah, the misfortune. And, and we have looked at that instances here, and it's a big failure of our guard and our legal authorities that they can't put these gurus away. And for once and for all, three-year sentence, I mean, should be 20, you know, I mean, for for the whole thing. But whatever whatever blindness is in our legal system and our judiciary that they, that they can't protect, they, their job is to protect the, the, the elderly, protect the defenseless. And also, I would like and say that the, that the bank clerk here, bank official that copped onto this, must be complimented here, and I don't Absolutely. think she was complimented by the judge or by anybody else, mm. or what, maybe it was a hearish, I'm not sure, but the bank official that copped this and went to the went to the trouble of uh, actually getting onto Mullingar and uh, tracing it down, must get great credit. And it's a pity that there's more of that going on, because these transactions are going on in Every branch and in every bank in the country, and they're all been these checks and these payments are all are all being gone through. So she deserves that. He deserves great credit. Absolutely, and money is being siphoned out of the country as well. Of course, all sorts of all racketeering, yeah. and we're told that all these institutions are they were all supported and you know and and saved by the exchequer, and that means by the mm-hmm. taxpayer that they are on on board here, and we see the the unbelievable amount of money that's with the drug gangs, the criminals, and we see the amount of money that's going through the system, and nobody is checking it. And we also see in the past week or two the two banks that closed, KBC and the Ulster Bank, where their current account customers were left high and dry. They didn't even arrange for them to have their accounts transferred to another bank. They had to go away and do it themselves. And I had a case recently where somebody had a mortgage from KBC sold to Pepper, who are mercenaries again. Mercenaries again. They're based in Limerick. They have an office in it's Limerick. In Shannon, is it? Yeah. Well, it's an 061 number. I'm not quite Shannon, sure. Yeah. But they're vultures, you know. They're vultures. Yes. yes. Yeah. And they need them a vulture. They've bought up those loans. They've bought up oh, the no, loans no, that are yeah. considered difficult. And some of those loans were very innocently put across and never taken back to uh, how uh, how I would put it uh, to being uh, properly structured. No, people ran into a small amount of arrears, maybe they're around 2011 or 12, a couple of thousand. And they've treated, people wouldn't be terribly affluent in all cases. Mm-hmm. And just because they went in arrears, they stuck penal interest on them. They've left them there as non-performing accounts. I know uh, somebody that's paying, uh, in this particular case, about 810 euro a month. That's a lot of money from a wage, 810 euro a month. And these people don't want to know them. They won't come to talk to them. We're dealing with pepper here. Well, you see, in in that, isn't it very hard to listen then to uh, to our, our Minister for Finance? 
and in particular there's another gentleman there who was a junior minister who now is in the Bank Federation or whatever they call themselves Mr. Brian Hayes I mean to listen to him now and the audacity and the neck of him like yeah. there and where are, the, where are the regulators here? And Michael Darcy who well, lost his doll seat went to the, yes. the, went to the Shannon and then yeah. decided to for the, for the, um, jump over again yeah. yeah now in fairness to him he was doing something to try and regulate the insurance industry when yeah, he had he that was, ministry he, he made a good job of that didn't he but unfortunately he didn't he, get too far with that he didn't get elected you know, he didn't again because he mm. went, he, he now went, talking yeah. about the insurance industry looking at the Irish Independent today insurance costs crazy farmers relief after bodybuilder Garda drops lawsuit and a farmer sued by bodybuilder Garda after a horseback gate allegedly hit her on the head, said he was unaware she had withdrawn her personal injury claim, adding, so what good is it to me now? Insurance costs are crazy. Jessica Feeney brought high court proceedings against Sean Baron of Adamstown Wexford following an incident in 2018. She claimed she was hit while on patrol in New Ross by a swinging gate on the horsebox. That was a small little gating on the high portion of the, t- the back of the box. The following year, she brought another personal claim against music promoters MCD after she was assaulted in Croke Park while attending a Westlife concert in July. The officer said she suffered severe headaches and torticolysis on the neck, alleged her injuries continued to cause her constant pain and said she could no longer train in the gym to the level she did before in order to complete her bodybuilding competitions. However, Miss Feeney of Kilmore Road, Nocknahini, Cork, withdrew both claims after video footage of her lifting weights exceeding 40 kg was shown in court. <coughs> Speaking to the Irish Independent after learning the claim against him was withdrawn, Mr. Barron said, that's the first I've heard of it. He recalled the day of the incident saying he was taking a horse to Limerick and stopped off in Ross for tea. I was driving the car with the horse box and I accidentally forgot to fasten the gate on the top of it. It swung loose when I went out on the road, Mr. Barron said. It was still swinging loose when she was going down the pathway herself and another guard. They came running after me and sure I didn't realise it was open until they stopped me going around the bend. I was wondering why they were running after me. He, the other guard, said the back of the box was open and she was after getting hit in the head. I asked, are you all right? And everything seemed to be fine. I rang back the girls in New Ross to see if she was okay. And I thought that was the end of it. Her solicitor sent me out a letter then. Asked whether he was relieved about the case being withdrawn. He said, sure, what good is that to me now? Insurance costs, my insurance costs have gone crazy. Mr. Barron claimed he struggled to get affordable insurance following the incident. I had to get a crowd up in the north of Ireland to insure me. The Sunday World reported a number of videos and forces taken from Miss Feeney's social media accounts were submitted to the court which showed the plaintiff socialising travelling and competing in bodybuilding competitions after she had suffered her injuries Miss Feeney contended the competitions in which she was taking part were more of a bikini modelling nature than bodybuilding and that no heavy training was required a video taken covertly of Miss Feeney training in the gym was then shown to the court in it. Weights exceeding 40 kg were seen being lifted by the plaintiff for a number of represent a number of repetitions. She later withdrew both her personal and injury actions. Some girl, wasn't she? 40 kilos, lifting 40 kilos? And too much wrong with her, to, uh, Pat. No, but you see, the problem there, oh. Pat, is, you see, is that... Um, that 
you know, you, you wonder, like, that uh, when she, she, I mean, f- f- falsifying a claim there, you know, and surely to God there has to be some, there has to be some comeback there by the, I mean, by the state and people I, like that who waste course time, yeah. put, put through furious claims, and in another adult then, I mean, cause havoc to the already individual they can get insurance. It's happening all the time now. Is she a fit, body, member, a she a a fit person to be a member of the Garda Force? That's Sorry? In no way. Should, there should be some review there. Of should, of course, yeah. yeah. A body maybe it has, maybe yeah. it has happened, in fairness, but we don't yeah. know. But yeah. I would expect that if it hasn't, it should. Yeah. Well, you see, if you have, I mean, we're listening every day to, uh, for some years now, and... Um, you know, I mean, the clinic, you know, he normally comes, he's you know, a great whole contributor to the programme, and and, and uh, he, he's a very uh, astute man with insurances, and he would be he would be able to give us a, a real live version of what's happening at that level. And But even that, you, if you listen to the, what's happening at the moment, any, nobody can get insurance, Sally. You know, in any any type of activity now, let it even be children's playground, mm-hmm. children's freshers. I mean, any place where there's people now, they find it the first item on the agenda, there's insurance, they can't get it. And if they can, it's gone multiple times. And a lot of the insurance companies, like the banks, are gone out of the country. You know, are gone. They won't even court for Irish business anymore. That's the result of our behaviour. Legal yeah. system allows. Yes, le- well, the legal system is one thing. Yeah. But the judiciary are the yeah. people that are adjudicating on the claims. And, you know, and you often see people, I know people that were in wheelchairs, and when they got their settlement, they were building houses and, and, and so buying up blocks of flats in Limerick. We will and, hold it there, and, the, and Jerome is cut by the clock again for an entry. <laughs> County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. You are listening to the podcast of County Views, as broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM on the 8th of June 2022 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Councillor Jerome Scanlon, as this is the podcast of County Views. The phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be unnecessarily charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, TOD. Welcome back, listeners. Now, another two items that I have on the list here is the water supply, and people are concerned about that. But the other one, which I would like to have discussed a bit, even though most people haven't any great interest in the topic, which is board planola. Uh, from Callaghan Water Supply in Jerome, I believe, is... Uh, they, they, oh, they've been plagued since last June in the town of Drum. Uh, breakages. Now, the infrastructure and the delivery system for water is dated. It has been up, upgraded for about 50 years. And it runs from Mount Plummer, for those that are listening. And I met a friend at Tom's. 
Mary Sheehan. She's a regular listener, so Tom, you have another lady on your list. <laughs> when I was in drum today. Probably would not hear that now. Oh, well, now yeah. The competition is not bad, you know, Tom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but bottom line, anyway, there's a... From Mount Plummer, there's about seven kilometres of, of old asbestos infrastructure there delivering water. And there have been something like 11 breaks between the 7th and the 22nd of May. People were out without water for 48 hours. The National School in Broadford had to close. The creche in Broadford was closed for a day and a half. And you can imagine the inconvenience. People have brought their children to the creche. Health and safety, big issue. Uh, can't wash something, can't sterilise bottles, no water for it. Uh, now, Irish Water have pledged uh, to replace the first 1.8 kilometres of it, where the real, the major problems were, uh, just to the west of Broadford. So hopefully the contractors will be in and getting on with that within the next uh, two weeks. Badly, badly needed. Usually when there's a problem, somebody will come up with a solution. And in this particular case, they've boosted the water supply to regulate the pressure with the supply that comes from the FINA Kilmedia system. Now, it hasn't. It has held for the last two weeks. So, but in fairness, and we complain about the council, the team of people that are out there second to Irish water are second to none. These people, one of these guys told me he had come home from uh, the match on the first Sunday of May that Limerick played, got home at six o'clock in the evening, and he was out until half past one next morning trying to rectify Leak, leaks or breakages and as soon as they had one break rectified there was another, the pressure came further down and yeah. greater problem the people from Irish Water are the difficulty but to be fair Irish Water was set up and they have no funding stream that's a problem like where is the money going to come from? But they have highly paid executives. Oh, extremely, water. extremely. Yeah, and and the government of the day were responsible for that, and the government of the day were responsible for setting yeah. up a company, which effectively is starved of cash to do the work that's needed. The local authorities didn't do it for the previous forty years, yeah. when they had the money to do it. They were collecting the rates. Didn't happen. It was spent elsewhere. Tom. Well, uh, as regards um, the situation there, like, you know, a lot of those old infrastructures are really lacking maintenance and planning during the year, you know, I mean, over the years, you know, as a lot of it was only emergency work, the actual people that are on the actual, out at the cold pit face are excellent people, very experienced and uh, thorough, and in actual fact, I mean, very dedicated to their jobs. It's an awful pity that the backup behind them isn't the same. Irish water is in an awful mess. But I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not, I, you'll have to kind of have shock me, said I have no revenue stream like you know. They don't have a definite you know, revenue stream. And and because there are there are billions like of, of euro in the planning of in for infrastructure and for new development and for the ex- expansion of existing services like 
and all over the country. So how are they going to be done? With all the new regulations for the, the environmental but situation and all that. Who's in charge of those? Or the developer pays for those, Tom, if yeah. there's a housing development here. I know, I'm talking about the existing setup. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and, and the expansion, and the ex- you know, if they want to, I mean, now you can't get any more planning permissions for a single house in, in a rural area. They want you to go into a village. And if there isn't, like, I mean, Liam Galvin was, was here recently with us, and he was explaining that, that uh, in, I mean, all the, he listed out a list of, of towns and, and villages in West Limerick and all over Limerick, actually, that, uh, that they're at breaking point. So what's going on, like? Who's going to, you know, if you can't build a house in the country, within a rural area, and they want you to move into a city or a town or a village, and uh, there's no facilities there. So where are people going to go? The, a young fellow, Tom, was quoted, and I went over and I met him, uh, over t- uh, not too far from Drumcolher. 11,000 to bring a connection about three metres from the centre of the road to the verge of the avenue leading to his newly built house. Yeah. 11 grand. That's a shocking situation, a shocking charge, isn't it? Don't no, it, what was, already, it was modified, you know, but it yes. was still significant. How is that yes. justified? It isn't justified. Yeah. But how did, uh, did uh, can you not shout about it at the council oh, meeting? Uh, oh, yeah, we do. But... Uh, and who determined that? You either, you yeah. either do without water no, or who, who is the dictator? Yes, like who determined that? Like, yeah. That's no. determined now by Irish Water because that's what they charge. There's a road opening license that you have to apply for. It is the council, obviously, uh, get paid. And for who are Irish license. Water? And you've also paid. Where a de- you find him? And sorry, Pat, you've also paid a, your development levy for the privilege of having your house. So the development levy can be anything upwards of four thousand two hundred. My God. And so the development and levy comes. Where do we stand, Jerome, as regards to that item I spoke about a while ago? Is that still in vogue? That, um, that a single house, like, they're not given planning permission. You mentioned well, the planning department. That we, have ago. To wait, and, uh, we have to wait the outcome of the making of the current city and county development plan. And on the 17th of June, we have the final meeting of the amendments that are going to the Office of the Planning Regulator. We are in Limerick, is it? He's in Dublin, I think. The, plan, well, the meeting, is in, Limerick, Limerick, yes, the meeting yeah. is in Limerick. Yes, yeah. We have made the plan right up to the point now where it goes for finalisation. It goes the to the minister. But what's the plan before the plan, it goes? The plan, basically, for rural housing, we want to retain rural housing guidelines as they are. And what are they? Basically, that any person from a rural area that can prove a connection with the rural area will get planning in their area. And my concern, and Liam Galvin's as well, is that the planning regulator will insist that they have bought an economic and a social need to get planning. Up to now, they didn't need the economic need. Uh, The economic need, basically, if Tom Ryan wants to build a house in Cratlow and he's working inside in the city, then his economic need isn't in Cratlow. Or if we can take it, Ashford the same, which is very rural. And how come there are there are so many anomalies like like within different decision making of within the planning like uh, department that one person can get a plan for a house another person can't in the same area like on the same road probably what is, what's that all about? Like? Well if you have a connection with the road if it's a local road Tom you have to prove a connection with that road. In other words, I won't get planning 
on the road that I haven't come from, effectively, yeah. or within a certain uh, radius in terms of kilometres of... Yeah. And another question, if you know, is that you might be able to follow to your, uh, to your planning department in Limerick. How come that, uh, that, they, can, that they can issue planning, at, uh, planning permissions, like in areas, industrial plan permissions, for instance, like in Rohan Industrial Estate, for instance, that when the, when the facilities aren't there to, aren't there to uh, take that in the... You know, who's responsible for that at the end of the day? When you have a situation when they can bring in multinational companies there without uh, we're into an overloaded system now, already. You have the zoning, and we'll obviously the area you're talking about has to be zoned industrial and commercial, we presume. They apply for their planning. If there are, one has the right to take that planning application to an board planala if the council grant planning and somebody sees an irregularity with it or a problem with it, like a floodplain or an environmental aspect to it, then that can go to an board. Now, we ha we'll, uh, the next thing then is the board on board will send down their inspector yeah. and the inspector does a report and I have seen situations where here in Newcastle West where the inspector gave a recommendation to the board that a grant that the council had made uh, be overturned but the board upheld the decision now to, to clarify that there is a Official in board planala under investigation. I think is that the way to put it. That isn't a surprise to you, is it, Tom? Um, because uh, of the decisions he has been given nine times out of ten, one way, whereas all his other officials would be maybe three out of ten. Yeah. And it is absolutely appalling. Nobody gives a damn, really. You will see right up from time to time about it, all right? I had a situation some years ago. It is, it, it is just appalling, appalling. It's to do with telecommunications, I think, is it? Well, anything you like in relation yeah. to Planala. Yeah. But it was in telecommunications because I was involved with an yeah. organization some years ago about radiation from foreign mass and cancer and all that kind of stuff that was coming off of these foreign mass. If you drive under a heavy power line and in England, you'll hear it on your car radio because mm -hmm. of what's coming off of that. And also they stuck a pile of fluorescent tubes under a heavy power line in England and all the tubes lit up because of what's coming off of, of the radiation. Of the radiation of that. But in knock fairness some years ago, uh, we all objected locally because this big monstrosity on top of the hill in a scenic area and we lost obviously because that's what how it works and did it go to on board oh it did yeah yeah but but the next time round at that time everyone has put in 20 mm -hmm. euros so i suggested there's no point in you wasting your money one one will do and all sign the name to the one that's how it should be and in we go with the one and i submitted mine this is probably 10 years ago now so and they already had a year and a half gone over the period when after five years everything should be taken down and removed mm -hmm. per the planning which didn't happen i objected on behalf of everybody and i used all the names and around the 29th of december or something i got a letter back in from the county council telling me permission was granted and there were no objections. I had already had my receipt cut mm -hmm. and kept, and I went into the office in the county council when it opened, 
with my receipts with, and asked the lady about it and she said there was no objections I said looking at the file was that one there also she that's only an observation from Patrick O'Donovan she took it to be an observation no I said it's an objection if you read it and it it was she thought it was the TD oh so they were kind of ignoring him anyway he was only just in for the kill so they hadn't read it it was given on the, on the basis there was no objection I spent another 200 euros to go to, up to Dublin and up especially to the board planala with the thing and the whole lot and it was totally ignored which you would know before you went up because they don't yeah. give one damn about the people and they'll break their own mm. rules and regulations which are laid out like now I'm delighted and to see that they've been investigated and did you yeah. get a written notice from the council you had the receipt I had now, the receipt and yes. after the receipt uh, passed I got a letter sending me out that the permission was granted no no no, no. hold on a minute now mm. you came away with your receipt today you went in with yeah, the list yeah, of yeah, the, uh, yes. the, your co-objectors and you yeah, spent yeah, 20 yeah. euro now a letter should follow that so you get a letter from the council stating that they have recorded your objection. We had all that, yeah. We had everything. Everything was in order. We got everything and kept oh, everything. Well, they, they had, council had a serious problem. If you and had a letter from the council... Because I appealed their council decision, which is what you have to do. Yeah. Right, OK. And they considered it wasn't relevant to one that, that the observations you'd made in your, in your, in your objection uh, were irrelevant. Is that what yeah, they told yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. But you will know that because t- time and again, I've been all over the 26 counties on meetings with people mm-hmm. and time and again. You're saying for it's houses, happening. everything. Yeah, yeah. You have these people and they're all, most of the people in Unborplanala are all ex-county council officials from planning departments anyway. You know. Oh, they are. Yeah. In one in particular. That, in saying that, Pat, you know, that, that is a fact. I mean, and it's a scandal, what you've said. But uh, that scandal still goes on, of course. And you, before, if you rule out leave it to one side for a second who's responsible for in actual fact for granting permissions that are not that are not in in order in Limerick County Council who is the official that will sanction uh, well, a planning uh, a, a planning application and a planning you know that knowing there's a problem well Tom in fairness and what li- what liability or what consequence do they face in the event of that when you break the law when you break the, when, when you sign and give permission when you're breaking the law and breaking the law they are like now in this in, in the instance I'm talking about who, who who takes the responsibility for that Gerard? the chief the CEO the chief executive is responsible for all your right yeah. everything yeah the chief executive's orders and he, 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 he the person they're delegated so he delegates his authority to the chief planner or to the person so that the signs chief up. planner has no responsibility so. well, oh yes they're ultimately responsible to the chief executive yeah so if you have many milking your cows they all get bastards you know who's time, to blame time gentlemen please time is up once again and we'll hopefully we'll come back to that one as I say in, in most radio programs we'll come back to that again but I think we will come back to that one again because it's a bag of worms it's there for years but thanks for the God hornet's I, nest is that how I, I see in the papers in recent weeks now one particular particular guy they're going after him in board planola because of all his he's out of line that's the island of today folks and this is west limerick community radio broadcasting from newcastle west my thanks mm. to councillor jerome scanlon and
and Tom Ryan, former manager and now correspondent on the Daily Mail every Saturday. A very, very good man in his opinions, very accurate to judge the game and judge before the game, not like some of them giving you all their opinions after the game. So until next Wednesday night, folks, and our thanks to, Jero, uh, to Jason Smith. They are doing a wonderful job every Wednesday night. He's reliable as my alarm clock. He never fails. So good night, God bless. 102 FM. You've just been listening to the podcast of County Views. It's broadcast on West Limwick 102 FM on the 8th of June 2022 from 9.30 to 11pm. Councillor Jerome Scanlon joined Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan for the discussion. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limwick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, TOD.ie.